All right, y'all ready to get in the Word? You going to put your thinking caps on this morning? All right, let's, uh, let's, let's turn. I want to read a verse to you, and then we'll just pray together. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. I want to speak to you this morning about spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, this, this for me is kind of like a foundational message. The Lord really taught me this when I was in that first season of real, really God transforming my life and delivering me from a bunch of stuff. And he taught me this message that I'm about to teach to you about 12 years ago. And, and, and I teach it regularly. Almost every year I, I teach a, a lesson that's a, like this because, because I believe it's important as a Christian for you to understand this. So spirit, soul, and body. But here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your presence in our lives. And Lord, we have come to seek you. We want to know you more. And this morning, God, our hearts and our minds are open to your word, to your spirit. And we pray, God, that you would allow us to set aside everything, God, that is not of you and receive the implanted word into our hearts, which is able to save our souls, to renew our minds and to transform who we are and to make us more like Jesus. We ask it, we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, God has a calling for every Christian. Like he, he's got a calling that he wants for you. He wants something for you that's beyond likely what you can even think or imagine. That's what he wants to do in your life. He's got something for every Christian. But you have to understand that the Christian life is not just one where you say the sinner's prayer and then you say, well, praise God, at the end of this thing, I'll get to go to heaven. No, Jesus calls each and every each and every person into a lifestyle of discipleship. That means that it's an intentional life where you learn how to grow spiritually. You learn how to seek the Lord. You learn how to develop your gifts and your callings because Jesus is not just leaving you where you're at. He's taking you from glory to glory. He's taking you from faith to faith. And ultimately his goal is to make you more like him. But see, you cannot get there unless you learn what it means to grow strong in spirit. Now we're going to talk about that because what Paul said in the Thessalonians as he's writing this letter to them, he's he says, look, may the God of peace, may he sanctify you completely. And uh, uh, Forrest talked about what sanctification was last week a little bit. Sanctification is kind of one of these Christian words that we don't necessarily say a whole lot, but it means to be set apart. If I'm sanctified, I am set apart for God's use and for God's purpose. Now, sanctification can happen both in an instant, but it is also progressive. It's ongoing in our life. Sanctification is the process by which God makes us more like him. Sanctification is the process in which God makes us more holy. It's when God is making us. He's, he's dealing with our sin. He's dealing with our issues. He's dealing with our faults, with our attitudes, with our, with our mental uh, failures and different things like that. He's dealing with those things and he's inviting us into spiritual growth and how to be strong in spirit. Now, Paul prayed this prayer as well in Ephesians 3.16. He said that he would grant you that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. God wants you to be strengthened in the inner man. The inner man is literally, in the Greek language, the spirit, the pneuma, the spirit. 
So God is saying, I want you to be strengthened in your spirit because you're not just a lot of times people will say, well, your body and soul. We got two parts to us. But the Bible actually teaches something different. The Bible teaches, according to this verse that I just read, that we're a three part being spirit, soul and body. Now, let's look at this diagram right here. Now, the truth is you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. OK, your spirit is the part of you that this thing is going to last forever. And do you know that when you die, your soul will be radically transformed. It will not be the same soul that you've been living in in this world because it'll be radically transformed. It'll be renewed to the image of Christ himself. And your body, guess what, will not be the same body. It'll look the same, but you will have a glorified body. This old body will be set aside. You'll be resurrected and you will have a new body. The only part of you that is going to last eternally without being changed is your spirit that is now renewed by the Spirit of God. Amen. So we've got that. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Now, our body is the external physical layer of us. Now, y'all know, everybody knows a lot about the body. And I'll say, I'll say this to you. Most of us, we will either, we will be led primarily in our lives by one of these three. One of these three, all three of these has, have a voice. Now, like, for example, and, and here you can really, when you go into prayer and fasting, when you don't eat for a few days, your body, you start to hear its voice. Can I say amen? My body says, son, go to sleep. You're sick. This is not right. Something is breaking down. We're dying. We're dying. And there's like an alarm that goes off in your body, and your body starts talking to you and telling you that stuff. And, and, and your body has a voice. And when you start stop drinking coffee or something like that, what happens? Your body starts screaming at you. What are you doing to me, man? Get the coffee. Get the coffee. Now, when you wake up in the morning, your spirit may actually be saying, man, you need to get in prayer. You need to be in prayer. You need to go and be with God and that your spirit is craving the word of God. But what happens is your physical appetites are more strong than your spirit and your inner man. So what do you give into? You give into the body and you set aside the spirit and you weaken the spirit in that in that role. So the body is that external physical layer of us that has the five senses, taste and smell and and is fit. And listen, the body left to itself. I want you to understand this. The body is in itself not an evil thing. God gave your body to you as a gift to enjoy the things in the world. This is why we take pleasure in food. This is why we take pleasure in things like sex when they're in the right context. But the problem is you leave your body off to itself doing what it wants to in it in and of itself. And it becomes an animal. It eats how it wants to, it has sex with what it wants to, and it lives crazy. And the majority of the world are dictated by their physical appetites. Somebody amen me. And I'll even say that the sad thing is, is that in the Christian church, many Christians, maybe even most Christians, are dictated by their physical appetites. And if they're not dictated by their physical appetites, they're dictated by their soul. And the soul is the part of us. It's our mind. It's our will. It's our emotions. It's our personality. My soul is kind of, it's a, you, you see my soul coming forth in my expressions and the way I talk and the way that I act. It's, it's my sense of humor. It's every part that I am. And, it's, and it's, uh, it's changed over the years. It's changed based on experience. It's changed based on trauma that's happened to me. It's changed based on things that I've learned. Now the soul, see, it's right in the middle. It takes input from the world from the people that I hang out with, from the TV that I watch, from the books that I read, my soul takes input from that. My soul takes input from the pain that I experience in the outside world. But see, my soul also takes input from the spirit realm and it hinges on one side or the other. But that soul is kind of that middle part of me that thinks. And, and, and sometimes, though, my soul can get a little bit crazy. 
If my body is focused on myself, sometimes my soul gets focused on others, what other people think. And I compare myself with others and I get locked up in these crazy thoughts and imaginations and my soul can get out of control. Amen. But here's the here's, here's the thing that you got to understand. Your spirit is your innermost being and it's the part of you that is sensitive to God. And this is why sometimes when you say when people talk about, well, have you heard from God on anything? Well, people say, well, I've not heard from God. You know why? Because they're used to hearing in the physical realm. They're used to hearing with their body. They're used to hearing with their soul. And when God speaks, he speaks to you in your spirit because God is spirit. Somebody amen me. Y'all good so far? I know this is a little bit deep. But your spirit is that innermost part of you. Now, here's what you got to understand. Now, here's here, here's one of the problems that we have. Uh, here's the issue in Ephesians two, verse one through three. Notice what this says. Ephesians two, it says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, everybody knows I used to be a sinner. But guess what? I was not dead. I was breathing, man. I had I, I was breathing. I was walking. So what is he saying here that I was dead in trespasses and sins? He's saying that in your spirit, you used to be dead. Your spirit was cut off from God. Your spirit was dead and you were functioning only in your body and your soul. And this is why sin didn't even bother you at all. But what happens is, is the spirit of God begins to draw you. You're convicted of that sin. You believe in Jesus. And guess what happens when you believe in Jesus and confess him as Lord? The spirit of God comes and brings a rebirth into your spirit. And Jesus says, you are born again and you got a new baby spirit on the inside of you that is trying to follow Jesus and trying to know God, but he's just a little baby spirit and he's got a full grown body and a full grown soul to resist and work against. Amen. And that's the battle that we face, folks. That's the battle that we face. Notice what it says in verse two. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Notice this, verse three. Among whom also we all, want, all, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the body the flesh and the mind and we're by nature children of wrath just as others. What is he saying? He's saying that used to we had dead spirits, folks, and we were led by our physical lusts, by the thoughts of our mind that were crazy. And we went after that and we chased whatever the devil threw out in front of us. And we went after the things of the world and it consumed us. But God now has made us alive in our spirits. But here's the thing. When you become a Christian, when you get saved, right? I don't know if it, it, this is what I learned. When I got saved, I had new desires in my heart. I had new desires in my heart when I got saved, but it was like they were very weak. They were very weak. They weren't strong. And because they were so weak, I, I, I thought, well, am I even saved in the first place? No, the issue is not that you're saved. The issue is that you need to grow spiritually. Right? The issue is that you need to grow spiritually because you are weak in spirit. Now, here's what the enemy tries to do to us. The enemy, put that first slide up, the, the black one. With, it's, got, it's got the devil on the top. Put it up for me, please. Yes, thank you. Now, here's how the enemy works. When we are cut off from God, what Satan does is he tries to work through the world. He works opposite the way that God works. Satan, the Bible says, has, he's the ruler over this system of things. He operates in the world. And the Bible says, do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are not of the Father, but are of the world. Okay? 
And he says, don't love those things. But Satan creates this world system that appeals to the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes and the pride of life. And he appeals first to our physical appetites. This is why Satan loves it when he can get somebody addicted to drugs or, or alcohol or on pornography or stuff like that. Like that's just sweeping over our land in mass because why? It appeals to the physical appetites first. But if he cannot get you there, if he does get you there or if he cannot get you there, well, then he's going to try to appeal to your soul. He's going to attack your thought life. He's going to say bad things to you about yourself. He's going to make you feel terrible about yourself. He's going to shame you. He's going to ridicule you until you are so defeated and depressed and have such a chaotic thought life that your spirit is ultimately defeated. It sets in last place in your life and you are cut off from God. That's how he tries to work. And this is, why, this is why when you're fasting, what are you doing? You are saying, you know what, Satan, one place you ain't going to get me is in my body. Because I'm telling my body, shut up for about three weeks. Somebody amen. I'm telling my body, shut up for about three weeks. And not only that, I'm not going to have Instagram scrolling eight hours a day and Facebook scrolling eight hours a day so I can compare myself to somebody who bought something cooler than I bought and get lost in my soul realm and be jealous and bitter and angry all the time about weird stuff that I shouldn't be weird about. So I'm detoxing my soul. I'm detoxing my body. I'm detoxing my soul. I'm saying, Satan, you may attack me. You may send the world at me. But guess what? I'm cutting off from the world for about 21 days. I'm not going to let this stuff attach to me like that. And I'm going to begin to focus on the spirit because here's how God intended it. Go to the next slide. Here's how God intended it. Now, the one that says God at the top. There you go. This is how God intended it. God, he desires communion in the spirit. And when human beings were, were designed in the beginning, they didn't, they didn't have to function that way. There was no sin yet. There was no fall. This is how it started, folks. God speaks to us in our spirit and we have communion with God in the spirit. Okay. And we spend time with God. We worship God and he communes with our spirit. And that's where we receive from God in that realm that surpasses even our mind. And our spirit then begins to minister to our soul. And the spirit of God lives in our spirit. Amen. The Spirit of God lives in my spirit and I have become one with Christ in my spirit. Now that don't mean I still don't have issues because I still got a soul to deal with. But if I commune with God in the spirit, God speaks to my spirit. My spirit then informs my mind the thoughts to think. The thoughts to think about God. And my spirit says, man, that's a rogue thought. That's a nasty thought. Why are you thinking that stuff? You have the choice to take that thought captive, to say no to it, to cast it down, and instead to put God's word in its place. My spirit starts to tell my soul what to think. My spirit starts to tell my emotions how to feel. I can get angry and my spirit will rise up and say, Clay, don't get angry like that, bro. Why? Because my spirit is strong, more strong than my soul. I don't, lose, I don't lose control in my emotions. I gain control. I say, no, I resist that anger. I resist that frustration because now my spirit is rising up above my soul. And then my body simply becomes a vessel of the Holy Spirit that is in complete submission to me and my choices. And this body just becomes a tool that God can use to express God's image in the world. And when that happens, guess what? We express God in the world, we overcome the world, we influence the world, and we defeat the works of Satan and destroy him. Amen. Yeah, that's good, right? That is good. 
So we have to reverse the order because most of you, I've got to be honest with you, you've been living inundated with Satan using the world to distract you with 10 million things until you are always worried about your physical appetites, when you can eat, what you can eat, when you can have sex, and all these different addictions that you're going on. And then your thought life starts to go crazy and you're wondering why you're depressed and unhappy. You're wondering why you're fearful and anxious. You're wondering why all these things are going on. And it's because on some level you're allowing the world to tell you what to fear rather than allowing God to tell you what to fear. And it's getting in there and all of a sudden your spirit is getting weak and weak and weak. Why? Because you're, you're, you're moving away from the word of God. You're spending your time caught up in other things and your spirit's getting weaker and weaker and weaker until all of a sudden he's defeated you and you, you feel cut off from God. You feel disconnected and God's saying, we got to have a reversal in that. See, I've got a spirit that must be born again and strengthened. I've got a soul, a mind, a personality that needs to be renewed to the will of God. And I've got a body that has to be brought into submission. When you fast, what you are doing is saying, body, you're not in control of me. I'm telling you what to do. You don't get to tell me what to do anymore. I tell you when to eat. You don't tell me when to eat. I'm going to take control of this vessel. And when you do that, what you're going to start to notice, even this morning, you know, after this week of prayer and fasting, even this morning as I'm worshiping, it's like you start to sense a heightened sensitivity in the spirit. And you say, well, how do you feel the spirit, Clay? What's that even mean? Like, how do you sense God's... You just begin to know it. Why? Because it is it is the innermost part of your being. You ever heard people say, well, I know that I know that I know it's that it's that knower that's in there. That's the that's the spirit of God dwelling in your spirit that is speaking to you. Now, the issue is you when you hear when you hear this, somebody that's weak in spirit and strong in their thought life and strong in just crazy emotions and strong in their physical appetites and ha has has problems breaking these certain addictions. It means that they're weak in spirit. Now, in the Bible, it teaches us that there's a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. You guys have heard of that, right? It's in there. And these these are constantly like in a tug of war against one another. And your flesh and your spirit are at war against one another. And that, that, that language, the flesh, is really your body and your mind cut off from God. And it says, those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. And Paul calls this being carnal. Y'all ever heard that word? It's a car. And he said there's actually a such thing as a carnal Christian. Now, here's what he said. I want you to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, brethren... I could not speak to you as to spiritual people. He said, I couldn't speak to you as people who are led by the spirit and, uh, and, and, and your spirit is in control. He said, but I'm speaking to you as carnal. Your body and your soul is in control. You're just babes in Christ. Your spirit is still just a baby. Your spirit's still just a baby on the inside. Then the next verse, he says this. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Now notice this, though. I want you to understand. Not everybody, like it would be crazy if we fed a baby a steak, wouldn't it? The baby's going to get choked. It ain't going to go well for the baby. But he's not saying, he's, he's basically saying to them, and he writes in another letter to the Hebrews, there's a time for milk and there's a time for you to grow as a baby Christian, but there's a time when you graduate from the milk and you start to grow because ultimately your spirit is primary and you got to go from the milk to the meat at some point. You got to begin to grow because he says, if you don't, here's what's going to happen. You're not able to receive it. Next verse, he says, for you are still carnal for where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? 
He said, y'all are arguing with one another all the time. He said, you got divisions among one another. You can't get together. You can't get together on anything in unity. You envy one another. You're jealous over different little bickering stuff and you gossip about one another. He said, I can't speak to you as spiritual people. You're not spiritual. You're still being led by the body and the soul. Amen. Good word this morning, isn't it so far, right? So carnal just means that they're weak in spirit. They're strong in these crazy emotions. Now, one of the things I want you to understand is that God is a God of pleasure. Y'all realize that. I remember when I was a young person, here's what I really believe. Every time I got around Christian people, because I love to get drunk and I love to get high and, and, and other things. And I, let's not mention all of them this morning. All right. But I loved a lot of things. And I thought that that's just how it was. And that's who I was. And those were the things that I liked. Right. And it felt good to me, felt good to my body. And, uh, and I enjoyed it and, and all this stuff. And I thought God was a killjoy, man. I thought, man, these Christians are just they're just fuddy duddies. They don't like to have no fun. They're just, they, don't, they don't like anything. Y'all ever been there? Amen. These guys are weird. They don't want to do anything. And that's, that was what I felt. That was what I experienced in my life. But see, God is what I found out is that God is the God of the fullness of pleasure. What you don't realize is that all of those things that appeal to your body and your soul that you think are enjoyable are actually counterfeit pleasures that end in destruction. Anything outside of God's design for you ultimately is going to end. That's why when people, they may start out having fun with sin. The, the pleasures of sin are enjoyable for a season, but see, it's outside of God's design and ultimately it's going to bring destruction into your life. You're going to wonder how come your relationships are wrecked because you've been living sexually immoral. You're going to wonder how come you're not advancing in life and getting better at anything because you're addicted to all these crazy different things in your life. And, and, and you're, going to, you're going to start to break down and realize and wonder, man, I'm not having joy with this thing anymore. This does not feel good anymore. God is the God of ultimate pleasure. He designed sex. He designed all these things in the world to be done according to his design and in his order. And his goal is for you to experience fulfillment, satisfaction, pleasure, and joy at an ultimate level. And right now the devil is selling you counterfeits that you're buying into and you're wondering how come you're not very happy. And God is saying, I've got something more for you, but you're going to have to learn how to deny some of these physical pleasures. And when you do, it feels awful in the beginning. And I got to be honest with you, when I pray and fast, it's almost like depression kind of sets in on me. Because, because you're, you're relinquishing all of the comforts that bring you comfort, that allow you to escape. And you start to feel down and I'm wondering, I'm like, God, why am I, why am I feeling this way? And he's saying, Clay, because you've been relying too much on those things. You've been relying way too much on those things to be the things that bring you peace and, and, and pleasure and comfort. And he says, I'm the only one that can bring you fullness of pleasure. I'm the only one that can bring you true peace. And God wants to bring us that true pleasure. But we've got to understand how that it works. Now, many are imprisoned by wild and crazy emotions. Just imprisoned. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes my emotions get out of control. Y'all amen me. And I get like anxious, I get fearful, I get worried. I almost think about calling Donald sometimes and just uh, hollering, you know, and, and, and just venting and saying something. And, and then I think, oh, man, he'll, he'll, think, I'm, he'll think I'm crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, but, but, then I, but then I pray and things come back into alignment. You understand what I'm saying? I, I resist those feelings that I have and, and maybe the, the whatever, the burden that I'm dealing with. I resist that. I press into God and those things begin, begin to line up more with God. But sometimes people get imprisoned by their wild and their crazy emotions. And here's what you've got to understand, that we're, when we are attacked by these wild and crazy emotions, you cannot control your circumstances, but you can always control your response. 
You can always control your response and you can choose whether or not you're going to allow those emotions to get full control of you and lead you into a crazy path or whether or not you choose to stop and feed your spirit and allow God to renew your mind and bring you back on the path. And I want, I want to say this, how we respond when we are mistreated or disagree is foundational to our spiritual life. How you respond when you're mistreated, when somebody disagrees with you, that will reveal how strong your spirit is. Because you're going to be challenged. People are going to hurt you. People are going to disagree with you. And when your spirit is weak, you're going to get angry. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to say negative things about these people. You're going to have a hard time forgiving because your spirit, your inner man is weak at that point. And God is saying those things have to be developed. You have to grow in those areas. But here, here's, here's something that you got to know is that you will not grow strong in spirit unless you are intentional about it. Amen. You're not going to grow strong in spirit unless you become intentional about your spiritual growth. Now look at Luke 180 and 240. I want you to read these. Now th th these two verses are about uh, John the Baptist and Jesus. And this one's about John the Baptist. It says, so the child grew and became what? Strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. 240. And the ch this is about Jesus. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. In other words, these men spent 30 years growing strong in spirit before God thrust them out into their ministry. 30 years they spent growing strong in spirit and then God put them in ministry when they were 30 years old. That's when their ministry started. But see, God will not push you into a territory that you are not equipped to subdue. He's not going to, God wants to do things with our church, with you as an individual, with our community and with our city, but he will not push us into territory that we are not equipped to subdue because if we go out into this new territory and we are too weak to handle the pressure of it, we're going to be overcome by the enemy because he will attack us. But what God says is that if you will strengthen yourself in spirit, you will grow strong in spirit, then you will be edified and I can launch you into your destiny and into the next stage of your life because when the enemy attacks you're going to be able to say, no, son, I done already been through that. I done already resisted enough stuff. I say no to you, and I'm saying no now. Amen. But you have got to grow strong in spirit. They had to be intentional about growing strong in spirit in order to come to that place. Now, here's the thing is, is that you are, people say this all the time, physically, you are what you eat. Amen. And, you know, sometimes you, you really find out, like, how bad of stuff you eat because you can tell how bad of stuff you eat by how hard you detox when you do fast. Like, you know, your body's like, oh, you, you got the trembles and, you know, you're coming off sugar and caffeine, all this stuff. But you are what you eat. But I'm not saying you are what you eat just physically. You are what you eat emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Your thought life a lot of y'all, by the people that you associate yourselves with and the people that you're hanging around, all that gossip and negativity, it just has, it's contaminated your mind to the point where it's, it's just become a, it's a defilement to your mind, to your spirit. Amen. And, and, and all of those things, you are what you eat in all of those areas. And you know that advertisers, if you watch television, advertisers work full time to appeal to the lust of your flesh, to the lust of your eyes, and to the pride of life. 
They work full-time jobs. They know now how to get people to make decisions based on impulses. And I got to tell you, you cannot, if you are strong in spirit, you don't make decisions based on impulses. You don't make decisions based on desire. You make decisions based on principle and based on value and ultimately, hopefully, based on the word of God. But advertisers work full time. If you look at a commercial, I mean, honestly, look at, look at, look at what I remember. I was taking a communications class and they taught me this thing. And they, when I was going to EKU, they were, they were telling us about advertising and stuff like that. And they showed us one of them Hardy's commercials. You remember like when a half naked woman sitting there eating a cheeseburger with cheese, like dripping down off the sides. That's like, that's like everything that appeals to the body all in one big thing. And you're like, well, it's for some reason I want a cheeseburger. I don't know why. You know what I mean? And it's, 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 they know how to appeal to your physical appetites. They know how to appeal to your worldly lust. That's what they're appealing to. And you have to learn to discern this thing is a not appealing to the spirit of God. I got to turn that off and switch out and allow my spirit to rise up and say, Holy Spirit, what is what is the decision that I need to make in this in this in this very time? Right. That's how the world is working. It's working to get you tuned out of the spirit. And here's the thing. As Christians, we got to understand that the whole world lies under that pool. The whole world lies under that pool. And the only way that we're going to gain influence and reach people is if we go hard against the grain of the world and demonstrate to people that we live differently. We follow a different spirit. The world doesn't dictate with the choices that we make. If you tell somebody that you wasn't eating for 21 days in the world, they'd say, what in the world for? Well, one, one, here's it. a lot of people would say, well, of course, yeah, I do intermittent fasting. That's a very uh, physically healthy thing to do. But we're not talking about, this is not just for the physical aspect. You need to learn how to live a healthy life physically, you do. Because that's a part of stewarding your body, the gift that God has given you. You need to learn how to eat healthy. You need to learn how to exercise. You need to learn how to stay fit. But do you know that the Bible says that these things, that physical exercise is profitable, in a, a little, is, is a little bit profitable. But godliness is profitable in all things. Amen. So we want to take care of our bodies. We want to eat properly. We want to exercise. We want to make sure that our bodies are healthy because you can't, you can't do nothing for God's sick. But even more important is your soul, the input, the word of God in your mind. And even more important than that is the spirit. What are you doing spiritually with your life? And you've got to focus on all three of these realms. See, the body, the Bible says this. We are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. I offer my body. My flesh and blood say, God, this is a living sacrifice to you. You get to say what I do with my body. I offer my soul. And, and, you know, the Bible says, Jesus said, if any man will follow me, he must take up his cross, deny himself. Himself there in the Greek is the word psyche, which is the word for soul. It says he must deny his soul. What does that mean? I deny what my mind says I am. I deny what my, my, my thoughts say that I am, what my emotions say that I am. I deny my feelings and I say, no feelings. You don't get to decide who I am and what I'm going to do. God's word decides who I am and what I'm going to do. So I deny my soul and I worship God in my spirit. Amen. And this is, this is how our lives are supposed to come in order. Now, I have the choice every day whether or not I'm going to sow to the flesh or I'm going to sow to the spirit. If I'm going to feed my flesh or if I'm going to feed my spirit. And the one that you feed the most is the one that is going to dominate your life. Amen. The one that you feed the most is the one that is going to dominate your life. So 
If I'm going to feed my spirit, I'm going to give you three very simple things, and you've heard it a million times, but I'm going to say it again. But if I'm going to feed my spirit, the first thing that I have to feed, and you can put this in your notes, very simple, it's just the Word of God. Number one is the Word. If I'm going to feed my spirit. The, the Word of God is to our spirits what bread is to our bodies. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he said that, guess what? Right after he hadn't eaten for 40 days. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. The devil comes to him and says, boy, I know you're hungry. Jesus said, of course I am. I ain't eating in 40 days, you doofus. That's what I'd have said. Jesus didn't say that. And, and, and Satan comes and says that to him. And he says... Well, I know you're hungry. Why don't you command these stones to be turned into bread since you're the son of God? Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, I'm not living based on my physical appetites. I've been spending 40 days feeding my spirit on what God is saying to me and who God is telling me I am. And right now I'm so strong in spirit, Satan, that I can resist any temptation you throw at me because my spirit is much stronger than any physical appetite you could throw my way. And you got to get that kind of grit in, your, in you to say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of letting my body and my soul control my life. I'm tired of letting my physical appetites control my life. No longer am I going to allow these things to rule me and say who I am. I'm getting mastery over my body. Paul said, look, I, I, he said, I bring my body into subjection, lest by any means after I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away and disqualified. He said, what good's it going to be for me if I get up and preach the gospel to people, but then I let my body Dictate my life. It ain't going to be no good. Amen. Y'all still with me, ain't you? So I got to have the word. Hebrews 4.12 says it like this. I love this verse. It says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And what does the word of God do as a two-edged sword? It pierces even to the division of what? It divides the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. It divides... Spirit, soul, body. It divides and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, when I begin to get in the Bible, what you're going to notice, because when, I remember when I first started reading the Bible, I, if somebody would tell me, Clay, you, you got to quit these things, I would have said, man, this is just who I am, bro. This is just who I am. Because I could not discern the difference between my spirit and my soul. I thought that my personality and my current habits was the same thing as who I was. And can I tell you that your current habits are not the same as who you actually are? You have trained your soul and Satan in this world has trained your soul to think a certain way and that is not who you are. You're programmed and you need to be reprogrammed. And the thing is, you have the ability to do that. You have the choice to make whether you're going to allow the world and Satan to program you or other people to program you or you're going to allow the Word of God to program you. But guess what? You have to be the one that does the programming. You have to be the one that does the programming. So this Word... It divides the spirit and the soul and you start to realize these crazy thoughts that I'm thinking, that's not who I am. This is who God says that I am. And you sense that separation, that difference. And then God begins to pour in to who you truly are. And it says that it's a sharp two-edged sword. Why? Because it's kind of like doing your own personal surgery. When you get into the Bible, when you get into the Word of God, you get to perform your own personal surgery on your poor thought life, on the nasty stuff you're thinking, and who you say you are and who everybody else says you are. And you get to cut things away and say, that's not what the Word of God says anymore. And you invite that to come into your spirit and it strengthens your spirit like food and it begins to renew your mind to come into alignment with who God says you are in your spirit. 
Your spirit is created in righteousness and true holiness. You know, as a Christian, here's what you, as a Christian, your spirit is flawless. You've been born again. It's been renewed in the image of Christ. But what we do is we allow our souls to think crazy stuff and we allow ourselves to be so fueled by the world that our spirit becomes defiled by those things. And we can't distinguish between the spirit and the soul. And, and, and God is saying, here's what you got to do. You got to come in. Now, Paul talked about milk and he talked about meat. He talked about solid food. When you're getting in the word, you need both. You need the milk of the word and you need the meat of the word. Now, the past few weeks, what have we been preaching up here? We've been preaching some meat because we've been challenging you. Now, there are sometimes you come in here on a Sunday and we're going to give you some milk, man. We want you to be encouraged and soothed and, and all that stuff. And, and a lot of times when you're dealing with new Christians, you got you to give them milk. You got to encourage them. You got to teach them the basics and, and get them encouraged. And when you get in the scripture, you want to find something that's going to encourage you, that's going to keep you going, that's going to let God, let you know, man, God's for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? Praise God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He knows the plans that he has for me. They're good and, and to prosper me, man. That's milk. It encourages me. It soothes me. But then there are times when I need the meat and I need the sword to come into my life and to begin to cut me. Amen. There are things in my life, attitudes, behaviors, things that I've slowly allowed to come into my life and I've got to invite it in and say, God, I'm going to allow you to cut me right here and to deal, to deal with this issue in my heart and to begin to slice and cut away some of the things that are going on in my life. And here's the thing. When you get in the word of God, and you're looking for something to cut you. You're looking for something to address your bad behavior, your terrible attitude, the way you're thinking, your anxiety, your fear, and you find it. See, you cannot change on your own. But when you, you invite that word into your life and you say, God, here's what your word says, change me here. And you choose to meditate on that word and you choose to say no to those thoughts. You are inviting the Holy Spirit to begin to transform who you are. And he's renewing your soul and he's saving your soul. And you have to allow that word to come in and feed your spirit. I quote Smith Wigglesworth on this all the time. But he said, most of Christians, they feed their bodies three hot meals a day. And they feed their spirit one cold snack a week. And they wonder why they're not strong in faith. We feed our bodies three hot meals a day. We feed our spirits one cold snack a week and we sit and wonder, man, how come I'm not strong in faith? How come we're not seeing God move in our midst? How, how come we don't see it like, like the apostles in the, books of Acts, in the book of Acts saw it? And how, how come all... It's because they, they were feeding their spirit hot meals every day and they were denying their flesh on a regular basis and they were saying, we're living for Jesus. We're not letting our flesh control our lives. We're living for God. And their faith was strong and they saw, saw God move. And here's the thing about Scripture. Somebody said, well, you know, I don't like the Bible. When I read it, it don't make no sense to me and I just don't get it. The thing that you got to understand in the Bible is you don't have to get it for it to feed you. You may not understand it here. You know, over and over again, you read that the disciples would come to Jesus and they'd say, Lord, we don't really understand what you're saying. What did you mean by that? And the Lord knew that they didn't understand it. Let me ask you something. Did it ever keep Jesus from telling them anyway? No, because he knew that the word was speaking to their spirits regardless if they understood it in their minds yet. And sometimes you get in the word of God and you're reading and your mind doesn't fully understand it, but your spirit is being fed. Your spirit is being fed. And in the physical realm, we get hungry when we don't eat. In the spiritual realm, we get more hungry when we do eat. 
The more you eat the Word of God, the more your hunger for the Word of God is going to get activated and riled up. And the more you worship, the more you're going to want to be in God's presence. And the more you pray, the more you want to spend time in prayer and you get lost in it. The less and less you go, the less hungry you get. It's opposite in the realm of the Spirit. The second thing, though, in your notes that you got to feed your spirit, and this is just a very simple one. Y'all know it, but you still got to, we got to learn to do it. Is That's prayer. And that's why when we pray and fast, we have those prayer meetings. We come together corporately. We're praying for things specifically. But see, throughout the week, you've got to learn how to have intentional time. Jesus himself. Now, we talked about this. Jesus was God, right? You wouldn't think God would, would, would have to do anything. But Jesus, as a man who was God in the flesh, chose to fast. And over and over again, he chose to go apart, to separate himself from his brothers and from his sisters and from all of his disciples and to go into a part intentionally what? To be alone with God and to pray. You've got to set in your life if you're going to grow strong in spirit. If you're going to grow strong in spirit, you've got to set in your life intentional time to be with God and to pray and to allow him to minister to you. Now, when I'm talking about prayer, we, we, we gave, we gave some, uh, some, some prayer guides out there and you can pick those up on the welcome desk and those are good. Prayer guides are, are good to help you. But as you grow in prayer, what you learn is that you're not just praying like a laundry list of prayers. Well, here's my prayers. I just say them out loud and then I'll go through them and I'll be done. No, you're trying to get into a state of worship where your heart is turned toward the Lord and you start to sense the presence of God. You start to sense God in your midst. And then you start to ask yourself, God, what are you saying to me? All of a sudden, tears start streaming down your face because you know God is with you. And maybe you don't even know what he's saying, but you are sensing his presence and he's beginning to deal with your heart. That's when prayer starts to become effective because you're contacting the Spirit of God. Because at the end of the day, prayer is about learning that God is a spirit and we communicate with Him in spirit. And so I've got to spend time with God in prayer and in worship and allow Him to minister to my heart. And here's the thing that you'll notice when you're in prayer. You may come to God with a big list of what you want to see happen. And all of a sudden when you get in His presence, all of your prayers change. Your desires change. The things that you wanted when you came in to pray were one thing and the things that you wanted after you got done praying were something totally different because you just encountered God and His Spirit and His presence and now He's teaching you what to, to desire. Your desires are lining up with Him and now you're praying His desires for your life. But you've got to be intentional about spending time in prayer. And look, folks, while we're praying and fasting, Jesus taught over and over again, you've got to persist for the breakthrough. There's got to be persistence. Now, here's a little extra. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Some of y'all won't be able to receive this, but some of you will. For those of you that can receive it, receive it. For those of you that can't, set it aside. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Paul was dealing with the issue of the gift of tongues. And he says there's one way to pray. When you pray in a tongue, he says you're actually bypassing the realm of your understanding and your thought. You don't know what you're praying in your mind. You're bypassing the soul realm. You're going straight to the spirit because sometimes, I don't know about you, but if I pray in my soul, I've got so many burdens and I've got so many things that it clouds my mind. And sometimes I might even pray and it'll just be a complaint session. And I'm not opposed to necessarily complaining and I don't think that God is either. But at some point, your complaints have got to shift to what the word of God says. At some point, it's got to turn. At some point, you've got to come into agreement with what God says. But see, you can sometimes, when you don't know what to pray, you can bypass your thoughts. You can pray in a tongue and guess what? Your spirit prays. Your understanding is unfruitful, but your spirit is praying. That's what he's saying. Amen. 
All right, last one. Number three, if I'm going to grow strong in spirit and be intentional about it, I've got to have fellowship. I've got to have the exchange of life in the Lord. And in your life as a Christian, you need to have fellowship with weaker people and you need to have fellowship with stronger people. I need to have people that are pulling me forward and, and drawing me into my purpose. And I need to have people that I'm pulling forward and drawing them into their purpose. And I need that in my life. And this is, this is why we have small groups. But I'll be honest with you, I'm excited about our Wednesday nights because I believe that we're going to get connected with a lot more people. And the more time we can spend together and get connected and spend time with one another and have those relationships where we can regularly speak into each other's lives, it's going to grow, we're going to grow spiritually. Look at what Proverbs 27, 17 says. Most people know this. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. In other words, if I sat down with Donald or I sat down with Forrest or, 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 or Tina or just some of these different folks and we're talking about the Lord. We're talking about how the Lord's been dealing with us. What does it do? It sharpens my spirit. It makes me more alert because we're talking about the things of the Lord together and we're dealing with these things and it sharpens me. God has designed us for fellowship. But let me tell you this fellowship. If it's going to be good and it's going to be worth anything, it's going to have to be a sacrifice. It's going to have to cost you something. Now, I know to a lot of people, it seems like a big sacrifice. It's a small sacrifice to come to church on Sunday morning, but it's an even greater sacrifice when you invite a brother or sister over to your house and you pray with that brother and sister and you talk to them about the Lord and you read scripture together. It's a greater sacrifice when you say, you know what, I'm going to go and be among my brothers and sisters on Wednesday night or in a small group or something like that. You're sacrificing to be in fellowship with one another. That's when God rewards it. That's when God says, all right, I'm going to I'm going to minister to your spirit in these ways. And, and when you meet together, his, his spirit begins to move. Verse six. I like this one. Proverbs 27, verse six it says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I think one of the things that I notice in the church today, especially when it comes to fellowship, is man, people really hate correction. Amen. You know that the Bible says in Proverbs 12, one that he who hates correction is stupid. That's just a good one for you. Amen. I love that. Bible said it. I didn't. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I can promise you this. If I ever come to you and I say something to you that challenges you or I feel, or I feel like in a way that I come to you and I say, look, man, maybe you should think about this. I promise you it's because I'm your friend and I love you. It's not because I want to hurt you. And what happens sometimes is we, we, we're, we're so, and, and you want to be careful with correction because a lot of times, some of you, you've not developed a relationship to a place where you have the authority to bring correction into somebody else's life. So you don't just go around rebuking people all the time. Encouragement, correction can come with encouragement. It comes with something. But when a friend really loves somebody and they see that their friend is doing something that's destructive to their life, it may wound them to say, look, man, you've got to do something about this. It may wound them, but guess what? It's them being faithful to you because they love you. But your enemy will come up and flatter you and make you feel the best ever was. But guess what? They don't care about your spirit. They don't care about your soul. They may flatter you all to pieces, but we, I need somebody in my life that's going to that's gonna challenge me. That's going to say, hey, man, you need to watch this area in your life. You need to pay attention to this. And I've got people that I can talk to that, that, will, that will say those things to me and say, you need to be aware of this. You need to, you need to be aware of that and, and pay attention to this. And rather than allowing it, sometimes it might sting at first. Sometimes I might not like it, but I go home, I pray about it, and I say, you know what, that's right. And they said that because they love me and they're looking out for me. And we need to have that kind of fellowship. But see, if I don't pour myself into developing a strong spirit, 
I will be overwhelmed with the distractions of this world. I will be. I've got to pour myself into developing a strong spirit. Let me read this last verse to you. The spirit of, of a man is the lamp of the Lord. Notice this. The spirit of a man, your spirit inside of you is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. Now, if your spirit is very weak because you never feed it and you're not growing spiritually, the lamp in your heart is very dim. If you're growing spiritually, this light begins to shine more and more. The lamp of the Lord is searching your heart more and more and more. And you can sense this. And here's how, here's how I understand this. Because when I, when I first began to seek the Lord, there were so many things in my life that I just justified. And it didn't even bother. Sinful activity in my life that just did not even bother me. And I just justified it and said, there ain't nothing wrong with that. But the more I grew, all of a sudden I began to notice this disgusting stuff in my heart. And I was like, man, that is nasty. What is going on? I need to get rid of that, Lord. I hate that. What was happening? My spirit was growing and the lamp of the Lord was shining into those skeletons in my closet. And so many Christians can live their entire lives with all kinds of hidden skeletons in their closet. Why? Because they're not growing strong in spirit and that light is not shining into their heart. Have y'all ever done something in your life that now you look back on and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just disgusted that I ever even thought that way and did those things. That's you growing strong in spirit. And, what I, and, and many of you, you may have dealt with some major issues. Maybe you've kicked pornography. Maybe you've kicked uh, drugs or, or different things like that. But what about the fact that sometimes we just get feel good about criticizing others and gossiping about others and, and all those things? What about the fact that somehow I can justify my bad attitude from day to day? Or I can justify my negativity and my doubt and my fear and think that it's a good thing? No, we grow strong in spirit. The Spirit of God starts to shine this light into our hearts and say, Look, I'm, I'm, I'm revealing this because I love you. And if you don't deal with that, it's going to cost you in the long run. And there are things that God is calling us to. I believe God is going to do miracles in our midst over, these, over this, these next few months and over the next year and so on. I believe we're pressing into God. I believe we're moving into God. And, I, and here's the thing. I, I want it to be that from this year forward, every year, every single one of us are closer to God. Every single one of us are moving deeper in with God. Every single one of us are fulfilling our purposes and our calling, but we cannot do it unless we're committed to growing strong in spirit. So I want you to just bow your heads for a minute. I want us to pray together.